polite and we're looking good You'll be in for a fight and we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job and we get goals good Looking good, we are Carlisle United Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Beagle The number one place to get your Carlisle United fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Dan McLennan Much better from the Blues as they end a free game run without a win By beating Colchester United 1-0 at Brunton Park we look back on that solid victory before looking ahead to this weekend's trip to Sussex to face this season's League 2 basket case club, Crawley Town. And that really was much better, wasn't it, Don? I think it's fair to say. That well, it couldn't have been much worse. <laughs> no, I mean, worse, like, oh, I, mean, I think it was, was it, you didn't do the last one, it was me and Mike, wasn't it, talking about yeah, the last yeah. game? I mean, you were there in person and you yeah. did a little thing, six second view for us, but I mean, can you still quite understand how on earth we managed to lose that one for or I, I, I can you can sound why it for because we played badly yeah. but how, how we played so badly yeah it's just you know chalked off down to one of them things hopefully you know we've, we've had a little bit of a mini blip you know three games without a goal yeah uh, and we you know Saturday was probably the perfect response wasn't it you know it's hard be... hard fought 1-0 win clean so- sheet bit of confidence Good solid performance as much as anything, wasn't it? They never really yeah, looked yeah. worried and No, no. even though it was only one nil, I don't think we were ever in danger. No. A couple of slightly shaky moments, but nothing nothing that yeah. we'll, we'll we'll talk about that soon anyway, so we'll, we'll yeah. rather get ahead of ourselves. But um but yeah, I mean we're recording this on uh, on the Thursday, the the twenty third of February, and what does this day mark, Dan? 365 days of one Paul Simpson being back at the football club. Incredible, isn't it? I think it's one year ago. I mean, a few days ago, there was a lot of talk, you know, it was one year since that 3-0 defeat to Swindon, which, is, I mean, seems a lifetime ago now. It's incredible to think. Yeah. You know, and, you know, McCurdy running riot and doing us a favour. Hashtag thank you, Harry, for that one. Um, but yeah, I I got confused because I, I was talking about doing a Twitter space to you, wasn't I, the other day? I was saying, oh, I'll do, on, do one on Thursday to mark, you know, one year since... Um, since Simo came back and then I looked it up again I was like oh he wasn't appointed until the Wednesday I was convinced <laughs> yeah. in my head for some reason that he got appointed on the Monday but actually yeah. what happened was there was a bit of another fallout wasn't it because it, it's just over a year since um, uh, Harry McCurdy did his best uh, it's not Harry McCurdy sorry Amari uh, Patrick did his best uh, Royal Rumble outside walkabout didn't he with Brendan <laughs> Dickinson yeah. tag team um, yeah yeah, so I mean, I mean, even looking back, that seems like a, an age ago as well, doesn't it? You know, the, yeah. the things are a little bit out of control of the pitch, and you know, everything's right and rosy now. Touchwood, but um, it's all also been the anniversary of he who shall not be named leaving the club. I mean, that, which that, was obviously the, the major catalyst for Simo yeah. coming back. Just as important, really, him leaving, and obviously Millen as well. You know, and it. Just the, the atmosphere around the club, and it, you can't underestimate how toxic it became under he who I shall not be named. Um, I, I, I sent a thing in a WhatsApp group we're in, didn't I, Dan, the other day from, I think it was late 2018, where he was saying that the days of, uh, you know, contracts longer than one year uh, are gone yeah. and will not come back. I mean, just yeah. absolutely mental way to run a football club, wasn't it, when you look back yeah. at it? And he was the one running it, and I say this with the greatest yeah. respect to... You know the likes of you know Nigel Clibbins and the and the directors, but pure pay EWM had a, a strong grip on this club at that point, didn't they? Yeah, they yeah. basically and technically they still do with that debt, but they've kind of sort of accepted that the owners have turned out and said no, we're going to try and run it our way now rather than the way 
your man wants to run it. And the result is, you know, it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? <laughs> Between yeah. the two, the difference. And and, and yeah, so, um, yeah, amazing to think he's been back a year. And when you listen to him talk, he sounds like he wants to be here for many, many years, doesn't he? Doesn't it, It's not like back when he was, you know, an up-and-coming coach and he probably wanted to prove himself at the highest level. <clears throat> I don't think that concerns him some, quite as much now. I think taking a club like Cal United as far as he can, I think, I, I get the impression that excites him a bit more, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think I've said previously, you know, if we're talking long-term, I could see him eventually maybe moving on to the job that Greg Abbott currently does, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Greg, Greg's a few years older than him, to be fair, as well. So, he's yeah. different age uh, profiles, aren't they? So, so, there you go. No, absolutely. And, um, yeah, ho- hopefully many more years and many more successes for, for Simmer at Cal United. Right, before we get going with the main episode, uh, all the main stuff, Dan, uh, as, as usual, We've got to tell you about who's sponsoring the podcast and also where you can find us on social media and contact us and how to subscribe to the podcast. We'd like to say a big thank you to the Cal United Sports Club London Branch for once again sponsoring the podcast this season. The London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and of course every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sporters games and fundraising for the club. This season, they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. If you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on all good podcast apps, whether it's Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Basically, search for the Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then when a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification to tell you to download it and listen to it at your leisure. Also, if there's an option to review on any of those apps, please do so. If you can give us a five-star review, that would be really lovely. It's a great way for us to get the message out about the podcast and so more people can learn about it and, uh, yeah, we can spread the word even more. You can also find us on social media, at Brunton Bugle, on Instagram and Twitter. If you go onto Facebook and search for the Brunton Bugle, click like as well. You can follow our page. Uh, we're also on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group and also on the Buzzies Back message board, the new message board that's replaced the Cummins.net. Uh, and also, if you want to drop us an email, bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Okay, Dan, it's time for the news. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, something that you're going to tell us a little bit, are you? Um, this this week, um, fans who've uh, been keeping an eye on social media and the like will have seen that uh, a group of young fans have been doing their best to, to spruce up one of the stands at Brunton Park. Yeah, uh, the, the so-called Warwick Road end on social media uh, have offered, in it's their half-term, the lads, They've, uh, they've been painting the uh, barriers in the Warwick Road and uh, the silver has become blue and the yellow back bits have had a, a re- having a repaint. That's a, the last bit getting done tomorrow. But uh, it looks absolutely fantastic. When I, when I walked in today, I was walking down towards the Warwick from uh, the East Stand car park area and it it really, really does stand out. And there's, there's a, the side walls are being painted blue and there's the money that got raised the other week. Uh, we're currently in the process of ordering some stuff. Uh, we're sort of we're not being as open about what's being ordered this time because we kind of want it to be a bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. And I think the Tranmere game on Good Friday is penciled in for the unveiling of all that's happened. So obviously, yeah. the next couple of home games, you'll see the barriers and the wall. But then after that, there's a little bit more going on, and uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be a sight to behold come the Tranmere game. 
Yeah, absolutely fantastic, isn't it? In fact, uh, you, you recorded a little bit for us, didn't you, while you were down at the ground today? So uh, do you want me to play that now? So we'll yeah. Give a little listen. Here we go. Right, I'm just down at the uh, Brunton Park on a Thursday afternoon. And uh, I'm just with some of the lads who are uh, doing a bit of painting in the Warwick Road end. Lads, uh, what? tell us what you've been doing. So we've got the barriers painted. We've started on the walls. And we're just going to revamp this Warwick Road end and get it bouncing hopefully and nice and clean. We've got many displays coming. And good stuff for Grimsby at home hopefully. And... We'll get an artist coming in, getting the walls painted one more. I don't know, it's just going to be looking good, isn't it? Yeah, it did. I've got to say, I mean, fans won't see it till the next home game, but it looks absolutely different in here now. It's really, really good. And uh, no credit to you for giving up your time in uh, half term. I mean, there's, there's been quite a few of you down, hasn't there? I've had good numbers. A few lads have came down. You've got to respect it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a uh, good crack. You enjoyed it? Yeah, it's... It's been fun. Yeah. It's, good. it's something, hopefully, when we're older, we have kids of our own, we able to show us. Yeah, them, yeah. We when we were their age. Yeah. No, fair play. Uh, thanks for chatting, lads. There you go. Not, not the most talkative lads, bless them. I think they were, no, they were, they were, said... I think they were a bit, a bit uh, <laughs> microphone shy, but no, like I said, the work they've put in this week, uh, and fair, fair play to the club and whatnot for backing them with it, you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they had a little visit off uh, Simo, Christian, Dennis, and Morgan Feeney yeah, the other fantastic. day, which they were they were buzzing about. So. Brilliant, that's exactly. No what good stuff, think. and keep keep your eyes out in future weeks. Yeah, definitely. Like I, said, I I've seen we all seen the photos and, and thing, and it looks great. Cause, I mean, I think the example someone used a while back wasn't it? Uh, Exeter City, they've got yeah. all their crush barriers painted in the in their stand, and it looks great and. I think two people have in the past have said, oh, why can't we make ours look a little bit better than that? Well, these, these young lads have taken it into their own hands. As, as, the, as the saying goes, actions speak louder than words, don't they? So well done to those young lads uh, for all they've done. Um, one more little bit of sort of newsy bit to, to cover here, Dan. I think you're going to talk a little bit about this. There was a, a food bank appeal last weekend at the game, wasn't there, for Kiosk? Yeah, uh, obviously, as part of the Kiosk board, we try and do a, a food bank appeal each season. And the Colchester game was our was our chosen one for this year and uh we had a we had a van by the study center and we had fantastic turnout of uh folk dropping tins and juices and pastas and all sorts and uh yeah it all got uh sorted out into different boxes and whatnot and dropped off at the folks at Carlisle Food Bank on Monday who were uh grateful and uh thanked everyone and just we'd like uh, from, speaking from a kiosk head We'd just like to thank everyone who donated and, uh, you know, hopefully next time we do one, we can get even more in. Brilliant. Yeah, it was great. Great to see. I, I popped out. I, fortunately, I didn't have any stuff with me, but what I have done, I've donated to Carlisle Food Bank because you can do that online. You can don't make yeah. a cash donation because I've yeah. donated through um, a special a little appeal that's been launched by uh, a group called The Waterworks. Now, the name doesn't sound that f- familiar, but y- you may know these. It's a music group, I should say, they're a band. Um this song was released many, many years ago, wasn't it, Dan? It was in the days of MySpace and that, wasn't it? Yes, because it was on MySpace. Now, there was a song that appeared on MySpace called Carlisle's Gannin Up. Um, and it's a very, very basic song. Unfortunately, I haven't got around to actually downloading the clip to, to get it ready to play in here. So, um, in fact, I'll magic it in by magic. I won't actually play it right now, but here's a clip of the song. Gannin Up, Gannin Up, Gannin Up, Carlisle's Gannin Up, Gannin Up, Gannin Up. 
So if you haven't heard that before, you will not be able to get that out of your head for quite a while now, I'd imagine. Um, <laughs> but, it, but when it originally appeared, it was a lot rougher than that, wasn't it? It was very basic. Yeah, yeah. This is a proper recording. So it's... it's it, uh, it, the original was like it was done on a, a broken Bon Tempe organ or something. You know? <laughs> it was, wasn't it? It was... Garnered up, garnered up. <laughs> it was very basic, but that sounds a lot, lot more pressure, a lot more fun. Um, but yeah, the lads have done it, basically. They've stuck up on SoundCloud. There's links you can find on our social media. But what they've asked people to do is if, if they like the song and, you know, they're, they're really keen on it, to, to fire over some money to uh, Carl Feedback. They put a, a Just Giving a link on their account. So if you want to go on there and, get, and drop them some money, I've done some on behalf of the Brunton Bugle. So when, 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 we, uh, when we tweet this episode out, we'll add the link in the second tweet. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. So yeah. you'll be able to do that. So, so yeah, if you can do it, go, go and give it a listen and, and yeah, go and, um, and donate money to Carl Food Bank as well. And, um, hey, you never know, come the end of the season, we might change theme tune for a couple of episodes. We might yeah. just do that. That might be what we do. So there you go. Fantastic. Right. Loan watch time, Dan. Um, yeah. It, it, we've obviously got a new one in there as well now with Kai Nugent added in. But we'll, we'll start with the uh, the highest level so far, as we always do. Um, Max Killsby at Anon Athletic. Um, last week, they had a bit of a disappointing result, didn't they? They lost to Don Barton, although you know, decent, not the worst result in the world, only losing 2-1 to the table toppers. Uh, this weekend, they played second place Sterling Albion. They took a 2-0 lead. But they couldn't hold on. I mean, 75 minutes against... And they were playing against 10 men for seven, right, five minutes and still managed to draw 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. yeah. Bit, bit frustrating for them, I guess. But another full 90 minutes for Max, which is a good thing. He's on to uh, 23 points for the season now. Uh, three goals under his belt. Um, I, I imagine he's probably... I mean, we, we say this every week, but I think he must have a decent chance of maybe getting a new deal next season. Maybe he's shown himself... You know, he can play at men's level and I'm sure Murph will be able to advise... Similar on that, so have to wait and see, obviously, but uh, it'd be, be great if he could. Uh, Lewis Bell, um, 25th appearance of the season for him at Gretna 2008. Unfortunately, it's another defeat for them, although coming up against the SPL B team is always going to be a bigger challenge, isn't it? I think for, yeah. for teams like them. Uh, they actually took a 1 0 lead at Celtic B, but uh, ended up losing 3 1. Um, I think Celtic be like fourth in the table and Gretna or something like 17th at the moment, so uh, there you go. Um, Next for them is a home tie against Ice, what I think is one of the best named teams in the UK, the Civil Service Strollers. It's a wonderful <laughs> name, isn't it? It's just a great name, isn't it? I mean, there's fantastic names across the various leagues in Scotland, the juniors and that, but Civil Service Strollers has always been... Uh, you, you just got an image of blokes in suits playing football with suitcases. It's not even that. It, 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 and not running down the wing, sort of. <laughs> Yeah, fast walking down the wing. 
It, no, it takes me back to like it makes me think of like the eighteen seventies or eighteen eighties. You know, where they wore yeah, long yeah. shorts and and wore flat caps while playing football and. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, and blazers and things like that. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, but there you go. Uh, Sam Fishburne, a um, couple of games for Morpeth, uh, but two defeats, unfortunately. A 4-2 loss at Marine, followed by a 2-0 home defeat to Liver's Edge. Um, Sam was an unused sub in the defeat on Merseyside, but then started the midweek home loss against Liver's Edge before being subbed on 57 minutes. So yeah, not going particularly great for the Highwaymen at the moment, and they next face a home fixture with Nantwich Town. They seem to switch the team about a bit, don't because Fishburne's yeah. been in and out, in and out, you know. So well, they've got they signed Ryan Donaldson, haven't they? You know, I think he was on trial with us many, many years ago. Yeah, he, he was. Uh, yeah. He played at Durham in a friendly. Yeah, that's the one. So yeah, they've, they've signed him fairly recently. I think he scored a couple of goals. Yeah. Um, Kai Nugent. So yeah, he. Um, Obviously, last time we, we we did a pod, we talked about um, the fact that he'd signed for Workington. He'd already made his debut then in a, a 1-0 home defeat to Bootle. Uh, this weekend, he, he made his full debut for the Reds uh, and he played in a 3-1 win at Runcorn Lillard. And a great name for a team there as well, isn't it? Um, and by all accounts, but a very impressive performance and including assisting a goal with a great little run. Um, although some people are disputing that and saying a defender was the one who assisted it while sliding to tackle him, but well, we'll give him the assist. M- yeah. Mike would give him the assist, wouldn't he? I'm not in answer yeah. saying in his uh, dubious with, uh, assist. Without, without his run, the goal doesn't happen. Oh, 100%. The defender had to yeah. slide in because he was passing yeah. it anyway. But um, but yeah, so uh, interestingly, he, he particularly earned the praise of Danny Grange after the game, didn't he? For, yeah. For this yeah. One. He was very, very clear how good he was and Gave him that little creative spark. And he, you can see that he isn't the biggest, but you can see he's very good with his footwork, isn't he? Very tidy footwork. And uh, and it's clearly something that Danny's seen up close, hasn't he? Because he's been helping out coaching with uh, Mark Birch in recent weeks. So, um, so yeah, re- really good stuff for, for Kai. Uh, I mean, he's got a great game this weekend to play in there, hasn't he? Top of the table clash yeah. with first v third. Uh, Reds are at home against Macclesfield who are very much the big spenders at that level. They've got some players there who probably should be playing National League, haven't they? I, I read the other day that I think they're averaging 3,700 at home this season, I, I, which I, I, is I, probably double what they used to average in League 2. That's the thing I don't get. Where are these crowds coming from? Fair play. It's, I think, you know, they're getting I big think crowds. it's just the, the savage effect, isn't it? it I mean, fair play to them getting these big crowds in, but like they never got anywhere near that in the Football League most weeks. Yeah. Amazing, amazing to be fair. Um, finally, Dan Hill, uh, Clayton Mill Celtic. I mean, they were supposed to play Nelson at the weekend, but it was postponed due to waterlogged pitch. Uh, they had a midweek trip to Darwin and that went ahead, but uh, not an enjoyable trip to Lancashire for the West Cumbria side. They were soundly beaten 5 1. Although, it should be noted, another former blue, Connor Hamill, scored a consolation goal late on in that game. Um, and this weekend, they uh, faced a trip to Merseyside to take on St. Helens. Right, there you go. That's the loan watch done, Dan. Let's get on to it. Cal United 1, Colchester United 0. Match review time. Um, yeah, I think we sort of covered it at the start, didn't we? But just a really good, solid, hard-working performance this one, wasn't it? And what the response you really needed to that Mansfield game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like I mentioned at the start, you know, clean sheet was a massive thing in this. Um, Colchester didn't really put on us much, did they? No, I mean, my first thought when we were watching them was that I can see why they've got themselves out of trouble because they look pretty solid at the back and they, they yeah. weren't. They certainly weren't one of the worst sides I've seen this season. They, they no, they, 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 look, they, look, they look quite organised and um, 
bit of a cliche now, but organised teams generally do pull away out the pack, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. they were tidy in possession. They were okay. And Matt Jay had some nice little moments, but they did look a bit toothless up front. And that, that's partly due to our good defending, but on the flip side, well, yeah, I think the front two that started didn't look quite up to it, to be honest, at first. So, so yeah, it was um, an, an, an interesting one in that sense. Um, Simo had said before the game, Huntley Dan, that he was going to make changes to the lineup. Four made in total. Um, were you surprised with the changes that happened? Obviously, in terms of... I think the, the strikers changing probably wasn't as much of a shock, was it? Because he, he, he seems to like alternating them at the moment, doesn't he? Um, Dennis and Gordon and Garner and Patrick. And it was Garner and Patrick who came in to start. Um, in defence, Jack Ellis in for Joel Senior. And in midfield, Alfie McCormont in for Jordan Gibson. What are your thoughts on them? Uh, well, I think defence... Uh... You know, I think with Senior, it's a case of not pushing him too much because he's had a hell of an injury. And obviously, yeah. Ellis coming back, you know, he, he did look tired towards the end, hence he was sunk. Yeah. But, you know, we've now got two lads who've returned from injury who can both play the right wing-back role and, you know, hopefully they'll spur each other on, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, and like, like I say, if if one is getting tired, you can bring another one on, you know, if they're on the bench and whatnot. So. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was quite impressed with Ellis, to be fair. I thought, yeah, if you had a really good game, considering it was his first game since, what was it, the, I can't remember when it was, sometime at the end of December, wasn't it, basically, when he got injured, yeah. so that was pretty good. Um, I think I think the McCallman one was probably one that a few people half expected. Yeah. Uh, I think... Jordan Gibson's just blowing hot and cold too much at the moment. Is yeah. and on the back of three games with a team not scoring, it was probably it was probably the most likely to be changed. I would say. Yeah, I, can't, I kind uh, of feel like. Mc, sorry, go on. McCallman, sorry, McCallman's waited his turn, and bloody hell, he, he he took his he took his turn didn't he early enough? But uh, yeah. no, he looked he looked quite a tidy player, McCallman, and uh, yeah. Like I think Simmer sort of said, you know, he, he's given me a dilemma now, you know, because it'd be very harsh to drop someone who's scored the winning goal in a one 0 win on his full debut. Yeah, with, with with Gibson, I kind of feel like he had that. He's had a fairly decent run. Actually, he's been pretty good playing as that sort of central attacking midfielder for quite a few games. And even in the games where we not played great, you know, that that run of three games without the win, in at least two of them, he was probably our best player. But he's looked really good. But at the same time, there was occasions where we're just not picking him out. He seems to be a bit wasted out there. So compacting that midfield and going for three proper central midfields in there, like proper, not defensive, but you know what I mean? Certainly more sitting midfielders probably works better, doesn't it, in this situation? It kind of made sense, really, when you want to tighten things up a little bit. Um, Well, yeah, let's get on to it then. Um, Start with the goals. Well, say the goals. The goal. McCallman, I mean, what a start to the game. This was in terms of, you know, you know, you win some, you lose some, don't you, with your defensive areas. And you saw a few weeks ago, poor Paul Huntington was the one who made the cock up and, and put it into the back of his own net. Connor Wood must be cursing his decision-making there for this one, mustn't he? Because I can see what he's trying to do, to be fair. He's trying to head it down to Connor Wood. Oh, yeah, Ford. yeah. That, when, when you watch it, on the, the TV highlights or I follow, he is, but I think he genuinely doesn't realise how far out he is. 
Well, I think as well what it is, is I, think it, 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 I don't think he's trying to head back to the keeper. He's trying to head it back to the defender who's coming across him, but he's all, because he's having to stretch his neck really to head it down, he's already started his motion to do that. And Connor Hall has already started to move across beyond him and leave a big gaping hole there. And, and the key thing is, is that McCallman takes a chance. So essentially, Huntington hooked it forward, didn't he? And, and Moxon put a pretty innocuous header down. Wood goes to head it to Hall. Hall steps out the way already as McCallman, sorry, as Wood is going to head it. And Alfie McCallman just takes a gamble, doesn't he? He puts that yeah. press on and goes, I'm going to have a go here. It falls absolutely nicely to him, takes a touch, and it's a great composed finish, isn't it? Because it'd be very easy to scuff it straight at the keeper from there, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You, you put it away lovely. You properly placed it almost, didn't he? You know, it was. Uh... You know, just reward for taking the gamble. Definitely, definitely, and that—that's the first chance that came. I watched the extended highlights back, and that's the first chance that comes up. Basically, uh, you know, I thought we chose some good pressing before that, but um, but yeah, um, beyond that, I mean, a call just a player tried to lob Holy from forty-five, fifty yards. I mean, come on, you've got to you've got to do well with your shot to do that against a six-foot-nine yeah. goalkeeper, haven't you? Yeah, ambitious. Um, and then probably the best chance to make it two-nil in the first half. And I just nipped to the toilet actually just before this. And I came out the toilet and saw this building up. So I saw John Mellish basically did brilliantly to slide in and win a ball. Play the ball to um, Patrick. He played a lovely one-two with um, with Garner, who laid it off perfectly back to him. And by this point, Mellish, is, as is his want, had charged forward. And it was in the area. And Patrick played an almost perfect ball into him. And I say that because... You just wanted it in a position where it was just in front of him or just onto his left foot. Unfortunately, it was right into his feet and it, and it never was at any point really on his left foot, was it? And he basically just had to take it as it came across him on his right and he sliced it wide of goal. And uh, it was just frustrating that one, wasn't it, really? I think slightly more in front of him, he probably could have taken a touch and hit it, couldn't he? Yeah, it was just, just one of those, wasn't it? If we could have got the, the touch first, the, you know, it probably would have went in the back of the net. But... Uh... 2-0 would probably have been a fair a fair half-time score because I, I, just, I didn't think Colchester offered much first half. Yeah. Right, the next news we got, basically, was I think McCallum had a shot over the bar that was from the edge of the box. I a nice run from Moxon, but beyond that, that was pretty much it for the first half. Second half was a little bit busy. I mean, Patrick had a chance from distance that was well saved. And Matt Jay had a couple, I think, for... Exeter one where he put it over the bar from the edge of the box and the best chance they had though was a lovely lofty ball from, from Jay to the far post looking for a kinde who came on as a sub and tell you what he's, he's put on a bit of beef hasn't he since yeah. the last time I saw him he, he's, he's a big lad I can see why he doesn't start games because I imagine he's not mobile enough to be playing a full 90 is he um, and a kinde couldn't quite reach it and uh, Quezia Paya slid in and I don't think he ever could have got more on it really couldn't he put it into the side yeah. netting and I, that kind of felt like a little bit of a wake-up call for us at this point. And this was when Simo brought on Jordan Gibson and he created a couple of really good chances for us. So he, um, he basically, there was one great um, run down the right. He played a cross in and Gordon took a nice touch and his shot on the turn went wide. And then the best chance of the lot was uh, Moxon wins the ball. Um, and I, you know what, when you watch the video back, it sits up lovely for him to hit a volley. And I'm a bit disappointed he didn't. He should have just hit it and just had a go. But he played it into Gibson. Gibson took a touch and hit a volley that was going well wide, but it went straight at Christian Dennis, who 
Eiffel did brilliantly to take the touch and hit it on the swivel. But by doing that, there was always the risk that this was going to happen. And he blasted it over the bar, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those ones, isn't it? You look at it and think it's a dreadful miss. But at the same time, he had to take it quickly because the defenders yeah, closing yeah, in. And yeah. If he doesn't, if he hit, if he hit the target there and scored, you'd say what a brilliant you know, bit of play from him to turn and hit it into the back of the net. So sort of totally guilt edge. Well, I suppose he is a guilt edge chance, really, isn't it? But there you go. Um, and I think other than that, there was a, a shot very late on from Matt Jay that deflected just wide of goal. But beyond that, that's really it, isn't it, really? It was, it was a nice quiet afternoon for Thomas Rowley, who have got us a talking point in a minute. But overall, come the end of the game, you thought, yep, that was a fair result, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I say, it was a great reply from the, the squad to the, the mauling yeah. against Mansfield. Uh, the clean sheet was a big plus. A good, hard-working win, which sets us up in good stead for the trip to Crawley. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, we've got a six-second review, and it's not one of us this time, is it? It's, uh, it's I, 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 Our regular correspondent, young Craig Robson from the paddock, so here's his views for the uh, Colchester win. A great, well-deserved three points after a run of unfortunate events. So the first half was full of chances, although mostly for us. That included a vital mistake from the Colchester defender that led to midfielder Alfie McCalmont pucking up on the mistake and calmly pulling it past the goalkeeper to make it 1-0. Later in the half, John Mellis somehow missing an amazingly clear-cut chance. I still don't know how. Going in the break 1-0 was both a great thing and a disappointing thing, considering I thought we could be 2 or 3-0 up. In the second half, it was a lot of passing and losing possession until Christian Dennis missed an unbelievable chance and puts it over the bar from six yards out. Very unlike him. The game after that was mainly dominated by us, but we never challenged their goal. Colchester didn't manage a shot on goal thanks to an improved game and goal for Hawley and a real return to form from Feeney. Playing like a captain should. Was great to see Ellis back from injury too. The, gr- the game finished 1 0 with Northampton losing 2 1. Just five points off first and two points off second. We can't, can we? <laughs> Up the blues. Hey, it's like, it's like a, a, a young future John Motton there, isn't he? We had to yeah. give John Motty a mention there. Obviously, sad yeah. news by him. Sad news to today on the, on the heels of uh, Dickie Davis earlier yeah, in the week. Indeed, yes. Yeah, some- Two real bro- sports broadcasting greats, weren't they? And yeah, if you go on our Twitter feed as well, actually, you'll see I've put a link up to the um, Motti's commentary on our free one win at Manchester City in February 19, 1985. It was actually the first Cal United game played after I was born, actually. Funny enough, it's a bit of a weird one, mm. isn't it? But there you go. Um, so, yeah, uh, fair assessment, I think, from Craig. I, I think he's doing Dennis a little bit of a discredit there, saying it's six yards out from the chance, because I think it was nearer to. 12 or 14 was it really it was a little bit further out but uh but he's probably right he probably should have took it really shouldn't yeah. he but there you go um some talking points on this one then dan obviously as i, well, I, I, I was gonna say the first one you should probably do is uh one that craig mentioned and that's thomas holy yeah well, well let's, let's start with that one then. The, the holy go let's start with him i mean he, he's had a bit of stick lately and we, we've always stuck up for him a bit on here but i actually thought that it was a really impressive performance from him this one in terms of the way he commanded his area he handled everything Simmer didn't make a point after the game didn't he, he said he'd had a word with him saying you know not, not saying he'd be, he said like I hadn't really said Thomas he's playing badly but you need to be doing more you, you can do more you can come and command your area better and and he did and he, he came and claimed pretty much every cross he took the sting out of it so many times and 
And that makes a big difference to the defence, doesn't it? You can see the confidence in them. Yeah, uh, you know, a, a defence always, you know, takes confidence of how the keeper's performing. And he was really back on back on song. And, uh, you know, another thing Craig mentioned, you know, team he didn't have the best of games against Mansfield. He looked a completely yeah. different player, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, you're right then. And I mean, even I said after the Mansfield game that, you know, Feeney probably couldn't grumble if he was dropped for for this game because he, he didn't have a great game against uh, against Colchester. But, yeah, fair play to him. Like you say, he, he came back with a really impressive performance in this one. Um, it should be noted that Holy did have one little wobble at the very end, didn't he, where he, uh, he came. And actually, when you look back at it, it's actually not bad goalkeeping. He palmed it away to safety to a, another defender, didn't he, really? So we'll, we'll, we'll let him off with that one. But there you go. Um... Got to mention, that is 13th clean sheet of the season in the league. Um, can he catch Kieran Westwood's record, do you reckon? You got eight, Kieran Westwood got 18 in both the 06-07 and the 07-08 seasons. And it should be said in the 07-08, he had two extra games to do it in because he had the, that included the playoffs, but obviously he was 46 in the season before. So can he do it, do you reckon? No reason why not. I mean, what, we've got... Is it 14 league games left now? So you need to get another six in there. So that'll be a 50% average for clean sheets. If we defend like we did at the weekend in the remaining games, you'll get close to it. I'd imagine. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, the next nearest is, I think it was um, Paul Farman got 15 in his one season with us. So I think that's definitely catchable, isn't it? I, th- I think you can definitely get to that. Um, I've got the other stats somewhere. I'll have to look them up uh, later. But yeah, I think he's got gone level with Mark Gillespie's record in fifteen, sixteen. Um, more about him later, maybe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no great forms from uh, from Tomash and re- re- really good to see. Um, Alfie McCallum. Let's talk about him then. Obviously, you mentioned him before, but an impressive debut. I mean, he's played at this level before, so it's not new to him. Is it? That's the thing. You get some loanies coming, and you know, it's the first time they've done it. But for him, he looked like somebody who played this level before, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I know when we signed him, we mentioned there's a big difference between most of the lads that come from under-21 yeah. football who haven't played, whereas he's played over 70 games for Oldham and Morecambe, you know, yeah. in, in, in these leagues. So he knows what it's about. And he, I thought he, he looked like he'd been in the team for weeks. Yeah, 100%. That, that's the thing that stands out. He he slotted in really nicely. And actually, he's not the biggest, but he certainly doesn't get bullied off the ball. He, he, he copes with the physical side perfectly fine. And a performance like that, he could be in the team for quite a while, couldn't he, really? You know, the way, the, the way he went about it. Well, yeah, like, like, like I said earlier, you know, Paul Simpson acknowledged that, you know, he, he, he's, 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 took the, you know he's took took the opportunity in the... You know, it'd be very harsh to drop him. I think I think he will play on Saturday. No reason why not. The know. one concern comes in four weeks' time. The games against Bradford and Gillingham. Because that's the international window, isn't it? And obviously Potentially, he's in, yes. He's in Northern Ireland international. If you get if you get some this run of games, you know, the Northern Ireland scouts might go, right, okay, let's get him back then. Because I think uh, Michael O'Neill, is he back in charge of Northern Ireland now? He is, yes. And I'm fairly sure he's the one who gave him his debut, so... He may well be keeping an eye on him and seeing how he's doing. So that that might be Jordan Gibson's chance to get back in. Well, let's talk about Jordan Gibson now, then briefly, Dan. Um, it'd be quite easy for him to have a little sulk, wouldn't it, and be uh, not happy about being subbed on Tuesday and a half time and not then being dropped for this game. But 
I actually thought he turned the game at a time when Colchester were just starting to get a grip, didn't he, when he came on? He gave us a real outlet down that right. With Corey Whelan, actually, I should say as well. He, when he came on late on, he really helped too. He, he he did really well right wing back. And I've never been convinced about him in that role before. But I, yeah, I just thought Gibson, some really nice little touches, some good runs down the right. And that that really helped take the pressure off, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, that that's exactly what you want your subs to do. And... Mm. Uh, we currently, with our strength on the bench, we have players that we can bring on to do that. You know, I mean, Devitt came on a couple of games and used his experience. Yeah. Gibson stretched the game on yeah. Saturday. You know, if it's Patrick or Gordon who comes on vice versa, we we all know what their speed and, you know, they can take the ball to the corners, etc. So. Absolutely. So yeah, we want to see a bit more of that, and I'm, I'm sure he's going to have these moments in the remaining games. And she'll come back into the team at some point as well. You know, I can I can see that definitely happening. But there you go. Um, so I went to this game uh, with my my good mate Rob. You saw him before the, the game, Daniel. You know Rob from years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, his first game, funny enough, since the Colchester opening day draw last season. Weirdly enough, pick those two games. Um, and I said to him like, afterwards or during the game that. Who's been the best player? Who's impressed you? Um, he picked out Morgan Feeney as someone who really impressed him as well. And he, he said, I couldn't, couldn't disagree with the man in the match because Feeney was giving it by um, the club. Um, he said he was really impressed with him. You know, he basically just gets rid of it, deals with it all the time. But the one he picked out, and a player he has seen before, so there might be a little bit of bias there in the terms of he, he knows about him and stuff, was Joe Garner. And he said straight away, he said, you can see that he's a class act. You can see that he's got, you, you know, bags and years of experience and just his nice little touches, the way he lays off the ball, the way he holds it up, the way he puts it into players and the way he deals with the physical side of it. And I have to agree with him. I, I thought, even though he didn't score and he wasn't the goal scorer in a, in a 1-0 win, I think he must have been a close content to be man of the match in this one, surely. Well, we all we all know what Joe Garner brings to, to yeah. a Carlisle team. He's, he's all action. He... I quite like the way he gets at refs a bit because we, yeah. we don't really have anyone who does that. And every time he's blown up for or against a foul, he's just chirping at the ref. Not enough to get a booking. Yeah, you know, he's quite, he's quite, uh, he's quite coy with it. You know, yeah. he just has a little word and trots off before the referee can sort of say, "Right, come on, fourteen, keep quiet, forty-one, sorry, keep <laughs> quiet." You know, and uh, no, he's. He will never not put a shift in, will he? He's Joe Garner. He's always done that. Yeah. And uh, some days he won't, he won't get the reward for what he does, but the way we're playing, he's more likely to than not. And uh, no. And he's not sulky about it either. He's not sulky about when he gets taken off. He's not sulky about things not quite going for him or you know, not getting his goals. He, he just works hard. And you look back, it's what, one month on since we signed him. And there's some people had some doubts about it, wasn't there? There was a handful of people. I mean, surely their doubts have been relieved. Now you can see that he's still a quality player, this lover, can't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. He, 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 even if we go up, he's going to be a good player at League One level as well. I, I can see. It. And yeah, he's not going to start every week, but you shouldn't expect that from from a player his age, really, should you? If you're no. starting for four year old players every week, then you, you've got a serious problem, haven't you? And I say it with the greatest respect to Christian Dennis as well. You know, if, if we're having to give him a full ninety minutes every week, there's a problem. <laughs> Because you need people, younger people, challenging him really as well. Um, any other talking most about this? I thought Paul, Paul Huntington, I should say, was uh, this the um, 
who scored dot com one of the match for this seven point nine he got. Um, he's our second best rated player on who scored dot com over the season as well, just under overall seven average for the season. Um, I thought he had another really good game as well, and again another one that, that Rob picked on. And you can see that he's just you can see the little nudges and stuff like that, and how clever he is. And I, I think one thing now we've got in our squad, we're, we're quite a young squad. Yeah, and we're at the other end of the spectrum. We've got up front Garner and at the back Huntington, who are, you know, coming yeah. to the last couple of years of the careers, but their experience just stands out a mile, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, and it, it, it complements the youthfulness of those around them. Yeah. And those around will learn things from them. So, yeah. Absolutely, definitely. It makes a difference, definitely. Um, and if not, oh, that's one other thing I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about the referee, Mr. Neil Hare. I mean... Very appropriate name because he had the most early nineties haircut you'll ever see in your life, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. This like proper like um, I'm trying, trying to think of how to describe it. It, it. It's just a sort of like floppy mop, isn't it? It's kind of like in spiral put, carpets esque. Yeah, in spiral carpets. You know, um, Sean Ryder when he had longer baggy, hair. The basically. whole baggy scene, basically yeah. from uh, Manchester. He, basically, uh, if if you made um, Declan Rice's do, hair do, a bit, do you shit. know what he reminded me of? Uh, yeah, that sketch on Soccer AM, yeah, where they all start uh, dancing to the Manchester yes. tunes. Yes, absolutely. It, it was like he was part of that collective, wasn't it? Yeah, and uh, and I know that our, our regular regular com- contributor and listener Greg Bowman was telling me throughout the game how annoyed he was getting with him because he was smiling too much, he was smirking <laughs> every time he makes a decision. He drove me mad throughout the whole game. What I would say is, we didn't give a single yellow card out. Let the game nice flow. To see a referee enjoying his job. Yeah, maybe that's what it was, yeah. Greg. Maybe lighting up a little bit. Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, he let the game flow, didn't he? And it, it and it it makes a difference sometimes when you do that. Yeah, you know, definitely. It, it, it didn't. It never felt like it was a dirty game, but it was a good game of football. So it was nice to see, wasn't it? I guess in that sense. Um, beyond that, I think that's it. Really, just just, just a really good result. I mean, if, quickly while we're at it, do you want to have a, we'll have a quick chat about some of the League 2 results last weekend. I mean, big one for us is Northampton. What a mess up from them. <laughs> to be, you know, I can't remember if they were in the lead in that game or not, but they, um, in fact, I'm just loading it up now. So yeah, in, at the weekend, so yeah, they, they, yeah, they took they were, the lead they were. early on, conceded a goal of 74, and then 90 plus one to let one in mm. against Grimsby. <sighs> That's not great, that is it? I mean, Grimsby, to be fair, are a bit of a weird side this season, aren't they? They're getting some good results, obviously, in the Cup especially. Northampton are actually, in in this year, 2023, they've only won two of eight. Yeah. They've got a 2 three, three, which is, it, it's a blip, but it's becoming slightly more than a blip. Yeah, definitely. It's, you it's, know what I mean? A blip is sort of like, we had three games, no goals. Yeah. One point. Theirs is on and off. Yeah. It's 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 not not great for them, is it? I suppose, um, but great for us in that sense. Interestingly, on Grimsby, I, just, I note the fact that obviously we play them in the next home game, don't we? A week on Saturday, um, but they've got their big FA Cup tie a few days mm. before that. So I, I just what... saw that they've just sold just under four thousand tickets. That's, for a trip that's to seriously impressive for a midweek yeah. trip to Southampton, yeah. whatever the situation. But but yeah, so you do wonder. You'd hope that maybe. You're kind of hoping that game goes to extra time, aren't you, and gets dragged out or whatever, because I don't think there's replays yeah, in the fifth yeah. round now. So, 
you know, tire them out a little bit. That's all we want. That's all we ask for. Yeah. Um, in terms of the other sort of key results, the fact was Barrow winning 1-0 at Bradford City. I didn't see that coming in the no, series. Uh, I've got a, a mate who's a Bradford fan and, and I texted him uh, just when I got home saying, how have you lost to that lot? And he was like, we were criminally bad today. He they said, how we lost they? It. Yeah. He said, yeah. for all the ball we had, we didn't have a shot. And I was yeah. like, he said it was just, he said it was, it sounded similar to what Harrogate did to us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There you go. Um, Leighton Orient winning was, 1-0. It's goal, goal, I, I was, was just going to say, I would probably say Stockport Stevenage was the big big game. That, that's the big one for us. I mean, because Leighton Orient winning one I mean, Leighton Orient are running away with it again now. Having, yeah, having yeah. gone from thinking, picked up again. Yeah, figured they were going to run away with it and then figured, oh, we could we could rein them in. Yeah. And then we had our sticky room and they just like, now nah, we're hitting top form again. So there you go. But yes, Stockport 2-0 win over Stevenage pulls them in just that little bit more. They've got a couple of games in hand, obviously, uh, coming up soon. Stevenage have had a terrible month. Two draws and two defeats. If It kind of feels like their January transfer business, it kind of reminds me of us under Beach. In that they have got... At, Go on. They have got a couple of games in they hand have. because of the cup, but they're going to have quite a run of fixtures to fit them in, I think. Yeah, I think they've, they've, they've got a couple of them. I think one of them possibly coming up soon, I think. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of like you look at it and you think, I, I, I kind of look back to when we we did that January transfer business under Beach and we were all kind of like, oh, actually, this is quite good. It's not too bad. And actually, you look at it in hindsight, you think, actually, it wasn't that good. And we, we probably rocked the apple cart a little bit too much there, didn't we, really? Yeah. In terms of what we did, so you do wonder if maybe that's happened at Stevie. But the other thing to take from that is Stockport County are coming up on the rails. They got a midweek win at Rochdale as well, so they're absolutely won, won the last five this month. I, I would, I would, I would say they they get manager of the month. Oh, yeah, as long as they don't get beat at Barrow on uh, this week. That or Mansfield Town, another one who, who just founded a, a real. You know, rich vein of form. It kind yeah. of feels like at the moment, for those outside the playoffs, the places they're fighting for really are well, probably seventh place, basically. Yeah, yeah. When you look at it. Because... I'm, I'm just looking at the table as we're talking, and you've probably got from Salford in seventh to Barrow in twelfth, uh, five points between six teams there. Yeah. And given the form of those above. I would suggest they're all going for... Mind you, you look at it, Bradford, a couple of games in hand, they win them. Yeah. They're right in the mix. That's, that's you know? the thing, isn't it? I mean, Sutton are very incredible form as well. It's, it's a hard, really hard one to judge. I kind of feel like I'm, I'm pleased we built up our cushion when we did because mm. we'd be under a lot of pressure and if we didn't. And I know you say cushion and teams can still sort of catch us, I suppose, in that sense. And yeah. if both Northampton and Mansfield win the games in hand, they're level on points in Stockport are already one behind. And then obviously, then if Bradford were to win their two games in hand, one one thing that sort of peeves me a little bit is how some fans get so attached to what other teams are doing. Mm-hmm. I think, as we are at the moment, just concentrate on ourselves, yeah. and it'll sort itself out. Only start looking at these teams when it comes down to the real crunch. You know, if you like, if a win somewhere means you get promoted, by all all means keep an eye on the Stockport game yeah. or the Mansfield game or whatever. Yeah. But don't don't worry. This it's yeah. we're still only in February. There's there's yeah. a lot. Of, there's a third of the season to go. We're, uh, we're sat nicely. 
Yeah, definitely. So yeah, like I said, and the run of fixtures we've got coming up in the next two at least. Anyway, you look at them, Crawley away and Grimsby at home. Even Swindon away, you know, Swindon are not in great form. That's not a bad set of games to have coming up. You've got a fancy no, chance. No, not at all. Well, when you look at the fixtures, uh, five of the next seven are away from home. Yeah. So we're only actually at home twice in March, the Grimsby and Stevenage games. Yeah. And then sort of April's where, where we get serious because, you know, we've got Orient away, Tranmere up here, Northampton up here, Stockport up here, Salford up yeah. here. Momentum, isn't it? That's what we need at the moment, yeah. momentum. That's the key thing. Right, that's enough for the uh, review section. We'll take a short break and back with the preview of the Crawley Town game. Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. There you go. There was only one man to pick for that, wasn't there? For, yeah. for the half-time break this week, so there you go. Right, uh, on to the Crawley Town preview. Uh, first up, though, Mike is not with us this week, but he's done us a question. So this is Mike's question of the week. In 2016, the Blues got a 1-0 win away at Crawley, thanks to a Charlie White goal. Now, we had one player playing for us that day who went on to play in the Premier League. Who is it? Ooh. Charlie White, 2016. That's a good question, isn't it? I think I know who it is. I'm just trying to think of his name. Who do you oh, think of what, what position? Or... I think it's a loanee. That's, I think that's, Jack Stacey. Yes, I think you might be right with that. I think that, that yeah, I'm that sure he was. In. He was 16, wasn't he? I kind of yeah. I kind of feel like Jack Stacey would have been if that's towards the end of the season. Then yeah, that would make sense actually. Yeah, I reckon Jack Stacey. Yeah. Right. Should we go with that? Then we'll we'll, we'll, we'll not wait yeah. about with this one. Let Let's see if this is the answer. And it is Jack Stacey. Yes. Oh, well done, Dan. <laughs> Good on that one. There you go. Nice little easy question for us this week. So there you go. Right. Up first in the preview section, Behind Enemy Lines. This week we spoke to uh, Ruben from the Crawley Town Supporters Alliance. Um, what did we talk about? My God, we, we could have honestly could have sat and talked with him for, for hours probably about the problems at Crawley Town. Uh, we discussed the chaos of four managers in one season. Uh, their controversial January transfer activity, including the departure of a very popular player. And just what on earth is going on with their crypto bro owners? So here's the chat I had with Ruben. So for this week's Behind Enemy Line section, we're speaking to Ruben from the Crawley Town Supporters Alliance. And Ruben, I've just got to say, where do I start with this one? Um, all the other clubs we, we speak to, there's usually one little talking point I can focus on, like a manager under pressure or something like that, or a, a, a new sign that's come in and made a big impact, that kind of thing. With you guys, there's so many topics. I mean, I mean... I don't know what the hell happened to your club in, in the last year because at the start of the season we spoke to Sam from your um, Sports Alliance and he was mildly optimistic. He was even talking about potentially pushing for top half or even top mm. seven. I mean, we might have expected a bit of an unusual season under your new owners but did you expect it to turn out the way it has? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I appeared on a, another podcast at the beginning of the season and I think I predicted us to be potentially playoffs if not automatic <laughs> how wrong was I um, yeah we're looking at the completely wrong end of the table at the moment and um, it's quite scary being this slow down in League 2 
yeah, I feel like a lot of seasons, I, I, I don't want to be harsh here, but I quite often have predicted Crawley to struggle and be down in the bottom because you, your crowds aren't the biggest and I always thought mm-hmm. you'd, you'd maybe struggle. But you, you've always outperformed what I've expected and I've always said, like, you, 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 you've become a, a decent league to your side. And then that takeover happened um, towards the end of last season. The the Crypto Bros, as I think most mm-hmm. of the fans know them, I mean... Can you sort of briefly summarise as much as possible what the issues have been, particularly in recent months with with them? Yeah, I mean, I think it started off, I think it was like seven days within them taking over the club. Uh, The John Yem situation happened. Um, And I think they're still kind of having to recover from that. Um, I mean, they're expecting John Yems to manage into, into the season. Uh, Then they hired Kevin Betsy, and then he didn't turn out as expected. Um, and then we had, I think it was then Lewis Young after that, uh, and then he didn't have enough shots or whatever that stupid <laughs> stat was. Um, but yeah, it hasn't it hasn't turned out too well for us, um, and it's hard to just to pin it down to one thing. Um, I mean, the the owners always are saying that it's down to the John Yem situation and then recovering from that, um, and lots of other car spanners being thrown into the works. Um, but yeah, I think it's just. We, sh- we just struggled to be to be stable, and uh, it feels like we're on a bit of a roller coaster journey at the moment. Do, do you kind of, I can kind of grasp the point about the John Yemmers thing, and that that's not something they caused; that's something they inherited, and mm. they could not have expected something like that to blow up within seven days of taking over the club. But do you think they've probably underestimated a bit? how difficult it actually is to run a football league club and be successful at this level, especially with, you know, there's so many clubs who are so well-backed. Do you think they maybe, they thought, oh, you know, this is going to be a breeze, they've got all these ideas, all this crypto money they reckon they were going to bring in, and and, it, and it's caught them out a little bit in that sense? I, I think so. I think they've looked at the English league table and thought, oh, League 2, that'll be easy, no one really knows about them. Uh, one of the people who own Wagme United uh, said in the podcast that owning Crawley is a bit like owning your local high school football, your soccer team. Mm. Um, and so if that's the level that they're thinking Crawley was at at the beginning of the season, then it was quite, it's quite concerning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think um, they, they wanted to use this season as a kind of just as, as a season to get their head around everything that's been going on um, and how like football works in England and stuff. Uh, but then they're saying with the John Yem situation, having to try out more stuff uh, to become successful quicker. Yeah, that, that's been the major challenge, I suppose. Um, in, in terms of last summer, uh, we'll talk about the various managers you've had this season in a minute, but you had a big signing in, in bringing in Dom Telford. And I, th- I think there was a kind of feeling among a lot of League 2 fans of, one, it was a surprise he dropped down to you. With no disrespect, we thought League 1 clubs would probably be interested after mm-hmm. such a good season in Newport. But then, two, there was a feeling of, well, the fact that he has dropped down to you, he's not going to have as good a season as he had at Newport. I- I'm guessing he's been a-, a-, a bit of a disappointment, to say at least, considering he's probably on quite a big wage. Yeah, I think I think he's on the highest wage in our club. Uh, probably one of the highest wages in, in League 2, to be honest. Mm. Um, and yeah, he hasn't exactly been a standout player for us this season. I think he's scored six goals so far. Mm. Um, but I, I think the owners saw that, oh look, he was League 2's highest goal scorer last season. We'll bring him on uh, and he'll do wonders for us. Almost a bit of a football manager uh, type transfer. 
It's kind of like I think they're almost looking at it like from an NFL almost viewpoint. That in there over there, you can often bring a great player and drop him into a team, and he'll fit mm-hmm. perfectly to your system. Whereas I feel like it's a little bit more complicated over here in the fact that Dom Telford probably worked particularly well in that Newport team, and the team was built around him. And Crawley, obviously, he's not going to be built in the same way, really, is it? You've you've got other players and they do different roles. Um, Let's talk about the managers then. Uh, Kevin mm-hmm. Betty. If you what? can keep count. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Betty, what went wrong there? Because, I mean, it seemed quite an interesting appointment happened. I think we all thought that's quite a, a decent, you know. It was also a bit of a coup because he was Arsenal's under-23 coach, wasn't he? And you thought, wow, to get somebody in like that. Um, and you moved away from sort of the managerial merry-go-round in that sense. But mm-hmm. was it what, what was the big problem with him? Was it a case of him maybe trying to put some sort of philosophy into the team rather than worrying about results first because that's something that our manager Paul Simpson has actually said on Football Focus last weekend. He said that too often you've got these young managers coming and they do these great presentations about what philosophy they're going to have. But if you don't get initial results, what's the point? Yeah, I, I think that he was wanting to install the philosophy um, and almost have Premier League style football mm-hmm. at League 2 level. Um, for, for a lot of Crawley fans, when they found out about Kevin Betsy, I think a lot of us were disappointed. Um, we've tried to have a young up-and-coming manager mm. or a youth manager come to uh, yeah. Crawley as their first kind of main job. I mean, we had Harry Kuehl, we had Dermot Drummy. Uh, I think we've had one or two others as well. Um, so I think a lot of Crawley fans were kind of expecting it not to turn out too well. Uh, of course, we wanted him to, to succeed, um, but I don't think we were too surprised that... It doesn't work out for him. Yeah. Um, got rid of him. Um, you initially put Lewis Young in caretaker charge. Yeah. Did a fairly good job. You know, got a few decent results and seemed to be well back. And as someone obviously you already knew the squad, seemed the, the perfect person, at least till the end of the season, to take over. And then out of nowhere, everything and Davis turn up. I mean, and, and what a shambles that turned out to be. Is there, was there a feeling on the final base of that was a cock up there and they should have given it to Young? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I think uh, one of our owners put a tweet out saying that he could have been wrong with sacking uh, Young. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think although we were, might have been outshot or we might not have won every single match, two of those games were against Burnley in the Cup mm-hmm. and then Accrington Stanley where we lost 4-0. Yeah. Um, and, but then for our League 2 matches, which are by far the most important matches, we actually did do right under Lewis. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could argue that Lewis was still quite close with a lot of the players uh, and so it might not have been, d- discipline-wise, might not have been the best uh, because he was still quite pally with, with the players. Um, but I still think he should have been um, given a job, at least to the end of the season, given the transfer window, uh, just to see what he could do. Yeah, it, it seemed quite a strange lot of time. As you mentioned there, I mean, stats can be manipulated to do say whatever you want, don't they? Because... I mean, look at us this season at Carlisle. We've been outpassed in a lot of games and quite mm. often our passing uh, completion percentage is lower than the opposition. But as Simo says, you know, we don't mess about with in defence. We just get rid a lot of the time and then we play the football in the opposition half mm. where you can affect teams. So it, does, it just goes to show, doesn't it? I mean, there was a feeling with Everton and Davis's thing. One, you've, you've gone from one person who was inexperienced work as a coach to another person or a pair I suppose in that sense mm-hmm. and they the felt it was a little bit bad taste one of the things your owner said didn't they about the fact that one of the reasons they went for Evington was because of his history of gambling problems and feeling like he's someone who would take a risk potentially 
which was I, I thought was astonishing when I read that. I, yeah, I yeah, that. I think a lot a lot of Crawley fans as well. Um, and I think if we if we go back to the young and the young stacking, mm. I think some of us were then expecting him. Oh, we're going to hire an experienced manager now. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that was a kind of a second sucker punch when we heard that it was Effrington um, who, who we were going to be signing. Yeah, obviously you've um, you've now moved on and you've got Scott Lindsay in as your manager. Yeah. Um, I think most people would probably look up from the outside. Maybe people who aren't following League Two so closely would go, "Wow, you've persuaded a coach from a playoff chasing side in your division to move to you when you're down near the bottom." Is there an underlying feeling though of? Why on earth has he come to us almost? Why has he walked out on Swindon in you know in a fairly decent position to come and take charge of what is going to be a relegation dogfight till the end of the campaign? Yeah, I, I think so. Because um, yeah, even with like say the, when we had the new owners, um, why would they come to a club like Crawley Town? Because um, that just seems a bit strange. There's something kind of underlying going on. Um, but I mean, if if you look at the the form for Swindon when mm-hmm. um, Lindsay was about to go um, they had the pretty poor run of form yeah. uh, and so whether he was going to be sacked anyways um, we don't really know but actually Swindon's form has still kind of carried on yeah, um, since he left yeah definitely um, well let's talk about your January transfer activity um, got to talk about the most controversial move first of all Tom Nichols to Gillingham because <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest with you like, we've on our pod, we've been saying for the last few seasons, he's one of those players we, he probably would never move this far north, but we'd love to see him at Carlisle. We thought he's, every mm-hmm. time he's played against us, he looks such a tidy player, uses the ball so well. You know, He's not going to score you 20 goals a season, but he's going to set you hell up for a lot up and, and his link play is so good. I mean, to sell him to a relegation rival just seemed baffling. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, I think it goes back to the signing of Dom Telford mm. um, that... The, the owners saw that they were in a situation where they could only keep one of them um, and it would have been easier to get rid of Tom Nichols compared to Dom Telford because of the wage that Nichols was on. Um, and yeah, it's it's just, it hurts that he's gone to a relegation rival and yeah. since, he's, since he's signed for them, he's probably scored the most goals yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's half the reason that they're now kind of heading up towards the top end of the table. I mean, to be fair, it wouldn't take him much to, to be the top goal scorer at Gillingham this season. No. With the first half of the season they had. That's very um, true. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, looking looking through the rest of your business, uh, I suppose the other two that stand to me. I mean, Glenn Morris leaving has been, a, I think, he's a little bit of a club legend with you guys, isn't he? I know yeah. he's getting on now, but again, going to Gillingham. I know he's been on loan there, but again, him going out at the start of the season was a bit of an odd one. Um, and looking at the other end, Ben Gladwin seems to be a good addition. Actually, to be fair, that that's one that seems to be a, a smart move. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And from what we've seen of him, he seems to to fit in quite well. Um, and he's he's been made club captain already. Um, and I think he kind of expects high standards from from yeah. the people he plays with. Um, it's just a shame that he got he's he's out injured. Uh, mm-hmm. Not entirely sure how long he's out injured for. So whether he might miss the Carlisle match, uh, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, and obviously in terms of Morris, it was just you know, one of the, I think it's one of those ones where. I suppose the owners were looking to move older players on, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but I think so. I think they did offer uh, Morris a, a coaching role, uh, mm-hmm. but Morris wanted to to carry on. And yeah, you can see from looking at Gillingham's results how good of a goalkeeper he is, even at the age of what I think thirty eight now. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not get, he's not getting any younger, but you know he's, he's still still a decent stopper at this level. And yeah, I mean, 
because I think he went just before the opening game of the season, didn't he? Against us. Yeah, he did. He did. And you, and you had two goalkeepers in that in nets. Well, two different keepers you used on that opening day, and I thought both of them were awful. Actually, it was a weird <laughs> one, but I wasn't impressed with either of them. To be fair, so so yeah, it, it seemed seemed a bit of an odd one. Um, Got to ask you about someone who's played for both clubs, uh, currently playing with you, Ashley Nelson. How's yeah. he getting on them? Is he? I think he was injured recently, wasn't he? Is he still injured or is he close um, to recovery? Yes. So, so he was injured, um, but he's starting to come back. Um, I think he was on the bench for our last game, yeah. um, and they're starting to play him a bit more now. Um, he's he's one of them. He can either be amazing on his day, yeah, um, or he can. Uh, yeah, not not be a too good of a player, and actually might rather him be on the bench. Um, and I mean, when he can, his pace is one of his strengths, yeah, and when definitely. you can utilize that, then it works well. Um, so there's a lot of reliance on ensuring that the ball actually gets in front of him, so he can run onto it. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it's not been the best season for him. Um, it'd be quite. It'd be quite good to be able to pair Nadzan with Tom Delford. Um, and I think if they do start to click, then they could be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, he's won Nadison when he, he had two loan spells with us. Effectively did a whole season with us, but did it over two seasons. Um, and he, he was quite a fan's favourite, actually, to be fair. You know, mm. he, 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 he certainly works hard, you know, that. You know, you, you run all day, as you say. And he's one of those ones that was talked that we were going to have secured him permanently or get him on a deal to the end of the season when we had him that second half of season loan but unfortunately um, Fleetwood for whatever reason wouldn't let him stay and then obviously in the end he ended up leaving them in the summer and going back to you guys obviously moving closer to home um, yeah definitely so yes he's clearly happier down there um, well I'll, I'll quickly wrap up with a couple more questions uh, Ruben um, first of all straight to the point can you avoid the drop I mean I'm looking at it You've got games in hand, which is a positive. But I suppose people will always say you'd rather have the points in the bank than you know, games in hand. But when you look with Gillingham and Colchester improving so much, and I'm putting a caveat on the Colchester one because yeah. as we record an hour or so ago, Matt Bloomfield has left them to go back to Wickham to become their new manager. So how that will affect them, I don't know yet. But with them improving so much, it does seem like you're in a battle with basically Hartlepool and Harrogate for that second spot alongside Rochdale who look you know, dead and gone almost. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, as we speak right now, tonight's the match for Hartlepool against Newport, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's a big match for for us. Um, and although we do have games in hand, we haven't won an away match since April twenty two, oh, I think. Um, so if all of our matches were at home, then I'd like to say that we would beat the drop. Um, but but yeah, uh, our away form isn't the best right now. Um, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be a struggle. Uh, we have started playing a little bit better under mm-hmm. Lindsay. Um, if we were able to, I think when it comes to the second half, if the, all the, all the matches were just based on the second half, we'd be bottom of the table. Um, so we just need to kind of ensure that our our levels are consistent for the whole match. Uh, then I think we will be able to start uh, looking away from the relegation zone. Yeah, and we talked about additions and you know and, and, and plays we've gone and stuff like that. But in terms of your squad, who who are the the danger men to watch out for this uh, this weekend for Carlo Fons? Yeah, so so I think um, Kellen Gordon um, he's been really good for us since he's joined in the summer. Uh, sorry, in in January, mm-hmm. um, he he likes to be able to run up the wing and put some good crosses in. Um, and I think 
whilst Dom Telford hasn't necessarily had the best season overall over the part since January, um, he has started scoring. Yeah. Um, and I think if if he does get uh, the balls to him, then he then he can score. Um, so I think he could could potentially be um, on the go- on the score sheets um, on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, Telford seems a very obvious. One. It's interesting you, you mentioned yeah. um, Callum Gordon because uh, we spoke to the Colchester pod last week because we played them. And uh, that the, they weren't particularly big fans of his. <laughs> they didn't. Oh, no, sorry, not the Colchester one. The Mansfield podcast. I do apologize. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I thought he came from Colchester. But, yeah, the Mansfield podcast were a little bit disparaging of him. So it's interesting. It shows some players fit at some clubs, don't they? So yeah, definitely. That's just the way it is sometimes. Um, Ruben, you've been very kind of your time. Uh, just to finish up, um, can we have a prediction for this weekend's game? I'm going to say one all. Okay. <laughs> I mean, our, our form's a, a, a little bit iffy at the moment, so probably not the worst guess in the world, I guess, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Reuben, uh, thanks for all your time again, and uh, all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. Cheers, thank you. Yeah, thanks once again to Reuben for giving up his time to speak to us. Uh, not, not great times down at uh, the Broadfield Stadium, is it, at the moment, for no, Crawley I fans? Mean, Crawley, Crawley are never going to be the biggest club in yeah. the league, but the proper fans, the likes of Ruben and that, you know, you genuinely feel for them because these owners are just barmy. Yeah. I mean, they're forever etched in Carlisle fans for that start of the season video. I mean, what on Which was the stuff of legend, that. I mean, I, I, st- I still can't quite grasp what was going through their heads when they thought this this would be a good idea. Yeah. It's mental, isn't it, when you look back at it? Yeah. There you go. Um... Yeah, so so, so basically, yeah, Crawley Town this weekend um, at the Broadfield Stadium, as I mentioned there. Interesting. I thought that one of the first things they would have done would have got some weird crypto sponsorship for the uh, for the name for the ground, but uh, they, they they lost the uh, sponsorship name at the end of last season. I haven't got a new one yet. Although, did you did you see the um, the new uh, sponsorship name for the Bolton Wanderers Stadium, Dan? <laughs> yeah, what? that's if that is someone at this company. He's a so marketing knowing. genius. The Tough Sheet Stadium, incredible, yeah. incredible. Brilliant. They always say though that sponsorship stadium deals, um, the first one is always the best deal you're ever going to get because that's the one that people will remember. Yeah, yeah. Who, who who's going to call the Bolton Wonder Stadium the Tough Sheet Stadium? It's the Reebok. Yeah, it's all everyone ever calls. Always has been. Arsenal, Arsenal can't change from the Emirates anytime soon because people just say, "Oh, I'm going down the Emirates." That's yeah. what people say, isn't it? It sticks in your head, so it's a tough one, that one. Um, right, uh, we, referee for this weekend's game is Paul Howard from London. Uh, it's his first season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of 15 games so far this season. He's handing out 34 yellow and three red cards. Last season, he handed out 95 yellow and five red cards in 29 games. Uh, and the last United game he took charge of was an absolute thriller. It was the nil-nil draw at Port Vale at the start of last <laughs> season. Two United players were booked that night, Abrahams and Dickinson. I remember that game because that was uh, Brad Young's debut coming on as a sub. And I thought he yeah. looked quite lively. Never judge a debut, really, should you? <laughs> you should no. Take your time and actually see how good they are. Um, yeah, head-to-head record. It's a 20-second meet between the two sides. That's a lot. I don't, I, it didn't really occur to me the fact that, oh, yeah, we've consistently played against them for pretty much the last decade, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. They came down with us. So, yeah, of course, we've, we've played them that many times. Um, we've got a very good record against them, haven't we? I think it's fair to say. Yeah. 
Yeah. 11 wins, 7 draws and 3 defeats. Can't grumble about that at all. Crawley Town then, Dan. Um, looking at the squad, I mean, I, I've, I've, when I send out the running order to you, I've got a nice little template I've done from the start of the season when we did the pre-season previews that I just copy in. And what I do then is I add in the January de- transfers and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Their transfer activity over the season's mental, isn't it? Barmy. I, 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 I I can't even count the number here off the top of my head. One, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, it, 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 it's into the 20 plus in total. That's not a way yeah. to run a football club, is it? As we've seen in the past. Well, like like we've said many times, you know, most squads have high turnover these days. You know, one-year deals. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Holdsworth's dream strategy. A, a commonplace. But Crawley's was massive. They actually didn't let that many go. I mean, there was three of them got moves and I think another half a dozen released. But I think they brought in about 15 plus in the summer, which is a lot. I should say, I think there's there's a few loan players who've gone back. Yeah. Um, There's also, I think, a few players who actually left since signing. I mean, they signed... They brought seven loan players in. You can only put five on a team sheet. I think the problem was they had some extra goalkeepers in, didn't they? As we yeah, saw, on the, remember yeah. the opening day, they had they sent Glenn Morris out on loan to Gillingham for yeah, the first yeah. game. Experienced goalkeeper many, many years, what, 37, 38 now. And they brought in, a, there was a lad from Brentford, was it, I think, who made his debut in that game in the first half, and he was yeah, absolutely yeah. shocking. Remember, he kept shanking the ball out of play on goal kicks, and he just yeah, did not yeah. look good at all. And they were trying to play out from the back as well. And then they brought another lone goalkeeper on at half-time in that game. So, you know, it's it's a ridiculous way to be running it. Um, looking at it, though, uh, in terms of the January arrivals they've had, um, not the worst business in the world. Some of them, I think Jack Rolls is meant to be quite well thought of at Woking, wasn't he, I think? Um, on top of that, they've got Ryan Schofield, the goalkeeper on London Huddersfield. So it's been a real problem area for them this season, goalkeeper. Kellen Gordon from Mansfield Town. Mansfield's uh, fan that we spoke to the other day, he was quite disparaging of him, so he didn't really rate him, but he's probably doing well. We'll cut to the chase here on this squad. When you look at it, who stands out? Telford and Gladwin, basically, the two that really stand out straight away. Ashley Addison, obviously, as the ex-player. Yeah, Ashley Addison, we, is... we know him. but Yeah, yeah. But that is pretty much it. I mean, normally most squads, there's at least three or four, usually half a dozen that you're like, oh yeah, yeah, he's, he's a decent player at this yeah. level. Yeah, he's a good signing. You can't say that about much of these. No. Like I said, Telford's the one who said that, but we know him because he's a bit top scorer. He was a top scorer last yeah, season yeah. in division. Gladwin's a very good player at this level, although he's already injured apparently. He's been made club captain yeah. already, only signed in January. Um, and then maybe Joel Lynch in defence. He's an experienced defender. Yeah, and that's it. Maybe free. I don't. Uh, you'd add, like, say, you'd add Madison in, but we only know him because he played on loan with us. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't pay that much attention to it. It's the one one that yeah. does stand out, but purely on his name is Ludwig Franzelet. You know what I, a name? I was going to say so. There can't have been many Ludwigs that have played in in the football league. No, incredible. He's seemingly, he's from Guadeloupe. Ah, oh, well. Which is, it's a French territory, Guadeloupe, isn't it? Yeah, but Ludwig's a, like a German name, isn't it? It's a bit of a weird one. Yeah. It? Yeah. yeah. It, 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 we've had a player who came from Guadeloupe, haven't we? Who was that? Was it not the was left back Ch- from Cardiff? Oh, uh, Cominguez. 
think yeah. it might have been him actually. I'm not 100 percent on that. Yeah, you can look that up while we're talking. Yeah, but, I'm just um, doing it now. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I yes, look for that. Yes, Cominges was a Guadalupean. Ah, thought he was. There you go. Um, maybe Jack Powell as well at a push. You know, I've seen him score a few free kicks on telling stuff. But you're right. It, it as a squad, especially in attack, I look at it and think. Outside of Telford and Madison, I think has had a bit of a few injury issues this season. Outside of Telford, that I'm not really sold on the attacking options for them either. Um, and Telford's Telford's a weird one. Obviously, so he signed for them in the summer um, from Newport, having turned down a new deal there. And I think the feeling was when he left Newport because he finished as League Two top scorer that he'd probably go to like a League One club, wouldn't he? Maybe and take his big chance of some money there. I, th- what, I think it's fair to say there was surprise when he went to Crawley. Yeah. Especially because I mean, if you'd have thought, all right, if he's not going to go there, maybe he'll go to one of the bigger clubs. Maybe go to like a Northampton town in our division or someone like that, you know. Yeah. A club yeah. that's going for promotion. And he signs for Crawley, like, wow, what's going on here? And then yeah. you hear about this contract and you start to understand maybe why he's gone there. He's allegedly on one of the best play players in the division, by all accounts, which, you know, you'd expect for someone who's top scorer last season. But he gets a bonus for winning the ball back in the opposition area. <laughs> opposition uh, half, sorry. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's just like I, I get you want to do some. Was Keith Curl his agent? That, that's what the first thing I thought when I heard that. that that's it's mad, isn't it? More, more on Keith later. Oh yes, oh you you cannot wait for that bit, can you? you you've been looking forward to that all day. Um, no comments. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a big risk to put so much money for for a, for a a club which gets such smaller tenancies and is probably looking for a mid-table finish in League Two to put that much behind what is effectively a one-season wonder at that point. That's a huge risk to take, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't grasp why they'd do that. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, other stuff, um, manager-wise, like we said, they're on to their fourth manager of the season, Scott Lindsay, his current yeah. boss. Start out with Kevin Betsy. Um, I, I, I thought when he was appointed, my first thought was that that's quite a smart, interesting appointment, that. Somebody yeah, who's done yeah. very well as an under-23 coach by all accounts at Arsenal as well. Um, I think his problem was, as Simo always says with these things, you know, it's all right having a philosophy you want to impose on a team, but if you don't get results, what's the point? League, league two is often a harsh reality for for people from that sphere, isn't it? Definitely, we've I seen can't. it on the pitch. We've seen it on the pitch many times. I kind of feel like League One's a much better place to be doing that. I don't know why, but yeah, maybe yeah, maybe because yeah. you get the better quality of loan players from the Premier League, possibly. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so yeah, that was a, a bit of a. And I opened it for him. Now, when he went, Lewis Young got the job as caretaker. Uh, Carlisle fans may remember Lewis Young had a, a brief trial spell with us, didn't he? Was that under Curl, possibly? Possibly, yeah. I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was a while back. Um, so he took over briefly as caretaker. Got a few good results for them. Um, and then the owners decided, apparently because he didn't, they didn't have enough shots on target in some of the games or something. They got outshot, I think, in a couple of the games that they wouldn't stick with him. Now, note, as Ruben said to us, a couple of those games were against Accrington and Burnley in cup competitions. So, you know, what, what, what you've expected yeah. him to do in those. Yeah, um, yeah. And they went with a, a another inexperienced pair, Matt Everington and uh, Simon Davis, um, who all the fans may remember being the, the pair of players who, who left um, Peterborough at the age of like 16, didn't they? I mean, to go to Spurs for like a million pounds each or something like that. Um, they very quickly realised what they've got themselves into, didn't they? Everington and uh, Davis. And uh, 
lo and behold, not long after they resigned. I think, what, seven yeah. games in or something like that? Which left them looking for their um, fourth or fourth manager season. I should actually say that um, Darren Byfield took charge of a couple of games, didn't he, I think? So the man they went for permanently down, um, Scott Lindsay from Swindon Town. Just a... Mm. A weird move from him. I mean, the rumour was that he was possibly going to be getting sacked by Swindon soon anyway. So Crawley being daft enough to pay compensation for him, he's probably thinking, great, this is a chance to get a move somewhere and, you know, sort myself on a longer deal somewhere else. Um, yeah, it, it just it just felt like a bit of like a, okay, what, what, what's going on here? Not I mean, yeah. experienced in one sense, but not really. He's been caretaker a couple of times at clubs. He's took over from Ben Garland as someone. It hasn't really worked out quite as well as they'd hoped, probably. So, yeah, a bit bit of an odd one, to say the least. Mm. Um, looking at them in the table, Dan, they're currently second bottom, just ahead of uh, Rochdale. Well, I wouldn't say just ahead of five points clear of Rochdale. One point behind Hartlepool and um, three or four points behind Gillingham. They have got four games in hand on Hartlepool. But then there comes the problem and it's the old adage, isn't it? You'd rather have the points in the bag than have yeah, this game yeah. down, wouldn't you? Do yeah. you do you do you feel like they're basically in a in a bum fight with uh, let's presume Gillingham, I feel like they're gonna pull away eventually. They've had to come yeah. from a very low base, so they've got themselves to a position now where actually a couple more results and they look not home and dry, but they look much better in a similar position to where Colchester are right now. Sadly, I think Rochdale are doomed. I think Rochdale are knackered. I think that result in midweek. Yeah. Just, just... They're already they're already two wins behind Hartlepool. They've yeah. played more games than everyone. Yeah, they're in trouble. Do you think it's a fight between Crawley, Hartlepool, and Harrogate for the other place? Uh, potentially, yes. Harrogate with games in hand as well, but I kind of feel like crew upwards. Teams are generally going to be safe, aren't they? I mean, Newport yeah, pulled yeah. themselves away, haven't they, with some good results as yeah. well. So, I mean, yeah. it, I've just said this on uh, the the Warwick Forum. Uh, it would be a shame for Northern football if we lost Rochdale and Hartlepool. Yeah. Regardless of what league we're in next season. You know, yeah. it's two proper away days. It would yeah. be a shame. Yeah. Obviously, potentially replacing the Notts County and Wrexham, I suppose that's... It's not too long away journeys. I know not as many no, times, but, but easy enough to get to most of them, aren't they? So, yeah. so there you go. Um, so yeah, it, it, going into this game from a United viewpoint, then Dan, it, it's three points. It's got to be three points, doesn't it? Yeah, we've got to be aiming three points here. Um, like like I've already said, five of the next seven are away. I would imagine Paul Simpson and his team. You look at fixtures and you you. you you would you would hope for three points at a Crawley, whereas maybe Bradford away you'd be happy with a point if that makes sense. Yeah, because you're restricting them as well as much as anything. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's the key thing with that. Yeah, I, I don't agree get us wrong. Don't get us wrong. Three points will be brilliant, but yeah, you know, you've got you've got to sort of pick and choose. You know, where, where's more likely? You know, yeah, they've only won one of the last six Crawley. I'm not sure how far back that goes with the rest of the film, but but yeah, you've you've got to imagine that. They're, they're there for the picking out and they're going to be desperate to get a result because like you said as much as they've got these games in hand the games in hand are no use if if you basically then go and yeah to get results from them don't they I mean I'm, I've just I've yeah. just loaded up the last 10 games form table just to see 
how things are. Funny enough, we're third in the last 10 games form table, just behind Sutton, who were top. They're Sutton are playing on the slide. Yeah, it's very unusual, that one, isn't it? And then Stockport. It could, it could be an interesting last game of the season if Sutton's run continues and they're trying to edge into the playoffs, yeah, you know, definitely. and we're, we're trying yeah. to go up. Okay, looking at they've won one of their last nine, Crawley, and that was that yeah. was against Salford, and they won three two. And I think that was a bit of a bizarre game, that one. Yeah, one of them, similar to our Mansfield type game. I'd say. Yeah, very very odd one that one. So, so yeah, we've got to be going for three points in terms of the team selection, Dan. Um, do you stick with the team that beat Colchester? Do you maybe maybe switch the strikers again? Or I, I, I would think it'll maybe only be up front where we maybe get a little switch round. Maybe yeah. Dennis will start. Uh, you know. Maybe it'd be nice to see Dennis and Patrick start again. Yeah, see how they get on. Mix it up a little. Yeah, a little. One year on from them uh, playing together at Orient, maybe, see how it goes on. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'm with, I, I personally, I think I'd stick with exactly the same 11. I don't think I'd change it. I think for one to say, right, I'm going to stick with you guys. Next week, I might mix up the strikers again. But you're going to yeah, get a second yeah. game. It's Let's see how you do, basically. And, you know potentially bring Dennis on when their defence is tiring late on and maybe see if he can get a goal yeah. as well. So I think that's the best way to look at it, potentially. Um, just in, in terms of injuries, just a little update there. Simo did an update, didn't he? A slight little uh, setback for Ben Barkley, apparently, today. Um, so he probably won't be ready for this week and certainly won't be ready probably for next week as well, by looks of things, which is a, a real shame. But, you know, he just can't get any luck, can he? I don't no, know what he is. No. He's just ridiculous. But uh, there you go. Uh, it sounds like Jamie Devitt will potentially be back for the Swindon game, which is really good, getting back nice and early. Um, long-term injuries, we're still waiting on them. I think Edmondson and probably back just before Charters. Who's Ed- Edmondson is a couple of weeks less than you have on the notes. Uh, I was speaking to him in the car park uh, midweek last week, and he said three weeks. So that's now two weeks. Oh, so that, that would have him back for the... For the Stevenage game, wouldn't it? I think actually, mm. if I got yeah. that right, if you if you're not taking any risks, wow, that'd be nice to get him back a mm. week early, wouldn't it? That'd be really good. Um, but the, oh, I think the really big bit of news that came out today was a really nice thing to hear is that uh, Josh Dixon, he's back in full contact training, isn't he? As of uh, mm. this week uh, on Friday, which you know, I mean, you talk about players being unlucky with injuries. I don't think I've ever come across a player as unlucky as, as know, Josh Dixon. To have three ACL injuries in the space of what um, three years was it or something like that is just ridiculous. Isn't ridiculous. It? You don't see it that often, and I just hope. I hope it's not a problem because I think it's been on both knees, wasn't well, it? I don't think it's been one. Yeah, I think it's two and one, isn't it? I think. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully he's fully recovered now. Because I mean, at the end of the day, in the running. We potentially, you know, we're going to need potentially in some of these games because we, we haven't got the biggest squad in the world. He might find himself on the bench at some point. So, you know, you, you never know if he'll feature. I, I imagine there's probably others ahead of him, but, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice. Simo did actually say that in the prep for prepping for Crawley that um, he wanted him involved because Crawley have got a particular left footed player in their team. So when they do the matching up training, he wanted him to be in there, so the, you know he yeah. had a good example of someone. So that that's good to see him involved in terms of that sense as well, isn't it? So there you go. Um, right, predictions time, Dan. Um, we've we're still no better off in terms of points. None of us went for Alfie McCalman as a goal scorer in a one nil win. So 
Uh, nothing changed there. You're still leading on 20. I'm on 19 and Mike is lagging behind on 14. So what are you going to go for this weekend? Uh, a solid straightforward 2-0 win. Goal scorers. <sighs> Getting tricky with goal scorers because you're never quite sure which strikers are going to start. Yeah. I'm going to gamble on Ghana and then Dennis coming off the bench to make it 2-0. Oh, okay. You can go for those two, right. Um, Not long after he comes on type thing. Okay, I'm going to go for 3-0 then. I'm going to be more ambitious. 3-0, Amari Patrick, Christian Dennis, and uh, Owen Moxon's Stuart Gull. He hasn't had one for a while, has he? So the one thing he really needs to add to his game, because other than that, he's pretty much perfect, isn't he? Um, right, let's have Mike's predictions. And I'm going to go for a 2-0 win with goals from Joe Garner and Paul Huntington. I thought he was going to say exactly the same as you there. I know. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, oh, we're going to have a little fix here. There yeah. you go. Right, uh, that's all that bit done. It's time to wrap things up with the Exile section down. Plenty to cover this week. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll go at the weekend first. Uh, yeah. Mackie Wells scored a penalty from Bristol City's one all draw at Sunday. It was I quite saw, a late one, this. It was a late one, and I saw a tweet about it. Apparently, it was their first penalty they'd been given in something like 486 days, I think it was. Wow, because like their admin was like, "This is not a, this is not, not a, a drill type drill. thing. <laughs> We've got a penalty." So there yeah, you go. Yeah. Did you see the, this the, game? The, as, sorry, I was going to say, did you the see this penalty? Room. Sorry, penalty. Did you see in this game, uh, Luke Luke O'Neill, his uh, attempt to stop a counter attack by one of the Bristol City players? Yeah, yeah. So basically, he tried to pull the lad back, but he grabbed him so much. The lad basically kept going and he pulled him up onto his back and gave him a piggyback. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Most novel book but, uh, in the series. Bristol, Bristol City have uh, been on quite a good run recently mm. and George Tanner is playing regularly at right yeah, back as part of that run. Brilliant, good to see. Yeah. Uh, James Tavernier, regular, scored yeah. two in Rangers 3-0 win at Livingston. A yeah. brilliant free kick and a penalty. Yeah. Penalty to Rangers is the usual cry. <laughs> uh, Elliot Watts scored. Unfortunately, it was in his own net. Uh, Salford City's 2-1 home defeat to Swindon. That was probably yeah. a game they expected to uh, win. Those strange team still Salford. Really yeah. are. Yeah, I mean, did you see uh, their, their pitch, though? I mean, I thought it was bad when we played them in November. It, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not being funny, but I've seen National League. It's not National League. Even. Yeah. I've seen teams that work into this level better pitches than that. It's a disgrace yeah. how that's allowed in the football uh, league. Former youth player, uh, Ben Richards Everton, scored on his debut for Scunthorpe in a 3-2 win over Dagenham. Uh, obviously, mm. we we're going to mention him in the transfers, but yeah. uh, we don't need to know. Uh, Cameron Salkeld scored his first goal for his new club, Clyde, in a 1-0 win over Peterhead. Yeah, we thought he was off the Dundalk, uh, didn't we? He never came, went through yeah, that deal in the end, so yeah. there you go. Uh, Callum Higginbottom scored twice, one of them a penalty for Kelty in a 3-0 win over the Doonhamers, Queen of the South. And Connor Tinian scored in Workington's 3-1 win at Runcorn Linnets. Midweek, a couple of names we haven't seen for a while. Connor Townsend scored for West Brom in the 3-2 defeat at Watford. Uh, Former Loney Micah Obiero. Scored in Wheelstone's one all draw at Chesterfield. That's chipped a decent a f- result, that. Yeah, he's chipped in a few goals this season as well, isn't yeah. he? I'll be error, to be fair. He, he's one we haven't heard for a while. Angelo Balanta. Yes. Scored for Dagenham in a 2-1 win over Aldershot. Yep. And a red card for Nathaniel Knight-Percival. Uh, he was sent off in Kidderminster's 1-0 defeat at Chorley. 
Come on then, let's uh, let's have your favourite one. Got, then. We've got a bit of other news. Uh, Hartlepool have got rid of uh, some bloke called Keith Curl. <laughs> you enjoyed that, didn't you? Come on. I feel sorry for Colin West because he's <laughs> lost his job. Yes. Nice bloke, Colin. <laughs> uh, the massive telly is leaving South Wales. Darren Kelly has departed from his sporting director role at Newport. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we've already mentioned him, but uh, James Tavernier was inducted into the Rangers Hall of Fame on the weekend, mm. which is uh, quite a big thing. They, uh, they induct two or three players every year, and he's, he's been there that long now. He's part of the furniture, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, Joe Riley finally made his debut for Walsall. Astonishing, isn't it? He had that injury yeah. he picked up in pre-season. Mid-February. Yeah. And, he's, and he's only just got himself... Fit again now because they said they did, they couldn't work out what the problem was, could they? I think that was one of the issues yeah. they had with it. So, so yeah, then mm-hmm. nice to see him playing again, but yeah, you know, but ho- mm-hmm. hope, hope he doesn't have a particularly great second half of the season because that means we'll also be catching yeah. up on us. So, so there you yeah. go. Um, that's it then, Dan. Thanks very much mm-hmm. for joining me. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, thanks once again to our sponsors, London Bunch, for their support this season. Uh, upcoming episodes wise, obviously, we'll have a episode out next week to preview the Grimsby game um, and we're, we're still trying to find the spare time because the problem is often the only time both of us have spare is when we record the main episode isn't it so we're trying to find a bit of extra yeah. time to record this special that you're putting together Dan aren't you about the oh, in fact I'm not going to say am I because we don't want to spoil it but it'll be a good episode that one I think so we've got a bit of research to do on that one but, uh, but yeah that's it so uh, thanks everyone for listening one year of Simo already gone it's incredible isn't it really what, what what's happened to this club in there Last 12 months, but there you go. I, uh, I think I read it's 80 points in 47 games in that year. I mean, that's that's promotion form, isn't it? That yeah, would probably get you, That would basically get you up in the top, probably in the top three yeah, in this division. Incredible. Well, there you go. Up, you know, up the Blues. Simo is our king. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Up the Blues. Up the Blues. Up the Blues.